Uh, I imagine it will be more like uh, Ireland and Wales. It would be a battle between uh, an elephant and a tiger. Okay. Yeah, the elephant is uh, uh, is big and massive, like the uh, the Irish team, particularly like the in the in the loose forwards. But if they mm -hmm. stand still, the tiger will attack uh, from any point from any point, and uh, it, they will start shredding the tiger's. Uh, well, the tiger will start shredding the elephants piece by piece until the uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, the elephant dies from uh, exhaustion and bleeding. So that's how I see uh, Ireland and Wales. What? <laughs> okay. Um, well, the, the, I'm well. Ireland's the elephant, and well, Wales is the tiger. You know, obviously because uh, if yeah, if the, if the tiger is alive to... still, the the elephant will just squash uh, the squash the tiger. Mm. I I just I wasn't expecting this David Attenborough performance. I think. Um... <laughs> Hello and welcome to Trying Times, a rugby podcast hosted by two comedians who love a sport that doesn't always love them back. I'm Nehemiah. And I'm Jack Dolan. Nia, how's your week been going? Uh, yeah, it's been uh, eventful. You know, uh, eventful? Just, uh, been, yeah, yeah, eventful. Yeah, it's just, uh, been, uh, just been busy, you know, with the uh, uh, life, also like just gigging and uh, reflecting on uh, the Six Nation. Uh, because uh, there's none uh, this weekend, so it's, it's a good time to reflect on uh, what's been uh, on the on, on the first two rounds so far. Yeah, <laughs> it's a time for reflection. Yeah, I, I you know what I like that. I I think uh, you think you're right. It is a bit of a um, it's a bit of a tease. You get two weeks of shown around by the Six Nations, and then it just like ups and vanishes, and it's not great. But uh, I understand players need rest. Yeah, my week's been a bit of a, a bit of a mixed bag, really. Mm. So, as you are aware, I hurt my shoulder this week. Um, really? Why? Well, I was playing a match. Uh, I was playing a match, and it was going okay. And I was thinking, I'm going to put in a real big tackle. I'm going to really lay down a marker of physicality and really hit a guy legally, of course, and then like really step my authority on the game and go, you know what? We're here to play. So I set up, this guy catches the ball, I'm covering across, and I go to tackle him. And I'm like, okay, I've got myself in a good position to really hit this tackle. And then I hit him, and I'm like, I three, uh, hit him, and I think, this is going great. I put yeah. in a big hit. Then yeah. I hear a pop in my shoulder, <laughs> and I go, you know what, maybe this wasn't as great as we first thought. Then I hit the ground <laughs> in an awful lot of pain. <laughs> he keeps running. And uh, I go, okay, this was a complete disaster. So not only did I not make a big tackle, I have absolutely banjaxed my shoulder. So um, it is made for it's made for an interesting week. Yeah, because uh, it was my right shoulder. I'm right-handed. I struggle to do things with my left hand, and I keep. Uh, we were at a gig the other night, and I went to fist bump one of the acts. You know, classic backstage carry on of how a bunch of awkward comics talk to each other. The fist bump is the, is the saving grace of it all. And uh, yeah. I went with my right hand and I thought it'd be funny to give up the hard fist bump. And then my shoulder started to scream in pain and I started going, ah, ah. and the comic was like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, it's not your fault. It's me being a <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it's similar to that, uh, you know, that uh, moment from the 1995 uh, world cup, you know, when my cat, uh, tried to tackle Jonah Lomu. Yeah, he's and like, he's I've just, got. And, and, yeah, and Lomu <laughs> just ran him over. Just... I, th I I wouldn't go so far as to call this guy Lomu, but there was a moment where I was like, perfect, this tackle is going to work. Sometimes you go into a tackle and you're like, I know I've got him. And uh, then he had other thoughts. He had other thoughts about that. Do we think the rugby was more successful than my tackle attempt last weekend? Um, I would say it's pretty much the same. Almost. The same. The yeah. same. There was uh, there was sort of a 
you know, in the way you describe it, it was like there was sort of an expectation of something uh, blockbuster, you know, something like a something defining, and then it just ended into in total shit. <laughs> and you just feel bad, and then you uh, you start questioning every every decision you made so far. Yeah, I think that's that's one hundred percent right. So, when we look at the weekend's games from last week, I'm going to run through the scores, and then we can talk about them. And the first game. Scotland, 16, France, 20. In the second game, England, 16, Wales, 14. And in the third game, Ireland, 36, Italy, 0. So why don't we start off with that first game? Yeah. Nia, I'll be honest with you. That first half was when I was learning that my shoulder was going to be a little bit out of whack for the next week. So I missed the first half. Oh, yeah. So what happened? What happened in Scotland versus France? Uh, yeah, the first half was actually a pretty decent half of uh, of rugby. Um, yeah, so like, uh, and you know, they they started strong. Um, France was still a bit fragile from the uh, Ireland game. Uh, line out was not was not working, and you know, Scotland just kept firing at them. And you know, they scored a really good try uh, uh, from uh, for from uh, Ben White, the uh, the scrum half. Uh, who I saw the try. Was excellent. Yeah, who's incidentally played for Toulon, so you know he he, know, he probably knows some of the French guy pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes, and yeah, it was pretty good habit, and I think it's, there was some decision, and you know, there was one point where I thought oh, France is gonna gonna implode. You know, when uh, uh, Antonio got that yellow card, and it, it and it went to uh, the bunker review, I was like, fucking hell, here we go again. You know, um, yeah. But somehow they managed, and good thing it was it was only a yellow, it was only yellows, um, and France kind of stay in the game. You know, Gaio Fiku scored a really good try uh, as well. So yeah, it was a decent half of rugby. Uh, it's just like in the last minute or so, like uh, somehow didn't go for. Uh, they decided not to go for for post. They decided to do a scrum uh, just uh, five meter from from the French line, and you know that was the uh, yeah. I think most people would agree that it was a pretty a pretty terrible decision to make. You know, because especially if they're, if they're on the front foot. Yeah, I find. Uh, so I caught the highlights and stuff afterwards. I was kind of I was amazed by some of the Scottish decision making. And I was amazed by how poor the French were. Yeah. One of those things they always say about the Six Nations is, you know how good everyone is in week two? And I still don't know how good France are because they won this game. So the first half, they kind of don't know what's happening at all. They're surviving by the skin of their teeth. Fiku scores a great score to keep them in it. Then what happened in the second half? The second half... uh... Yeah, I don't know. Second half was the total opposite of the first half. Almost, you know, you had that uh, weird game of kick tennis uh, between mm. Finn Russells and uh, Thomas Ramos, and then you then somehow they started mentioning this thing called uh, the Dupont law, uh, which sounded like something like you you get from physics almost. You know what I mean? Like uh, like Newton's law of gravity. Dupont's and, you know, law. Dupont's law. It's like a. Uh, yeah, it feels like you know, even though uh, Dupont is not playing, he's still around. Like as if he's sort of like some sort of a interdimensional entity. You know, he's he's every he's omnipresent. He's like God. You know, he's <laughs> like God. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I do find there's something there's a bit of irony. So for those who aren't acquainted, the Dupont law is this rule essentially where if you kick the ball and you're in front of the ball, you're offside, so you can't interfere with play. But if you stay perfectly still you're considered not interfering with place until the other, the catcher of the ball runs yeah. five meters or passes it. So you can essentially set up shop wherever you want on the pitch, as long as you're still. And it has made for some really, really turgid watching. Mm. And the idea that yeah. it's named after the best player who's currently playing the game is hilarious to me because the most boring thing that's ever happened in rugby is named after the most exciting player we've seen in a fucking millennia. Like, look, the, that's what I mean. So that's what makes that, that's that's what makes uh, Anton Dupont so great. He can he can he can do whatever he wants. He's uh, anything you want him to be. You know, that's like like I said, he's uh, he's rugby Jesus at this point. You know, he is. He referred to him as God and Jesus in the space of two minutes. I'm <laughs> and not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> He's the holy, he's the holy, holy Trinity in one. Yeah. Oh man, they miss him so much. <laughs> so yeah, and then, so I watched this game. I saw, I caught the second half. Then, um, and it felt, from what I saw, to be very typically Scottish. Then 
in the sense that yes. uh, Scotland, so the, the Bielbury try to put France ahead, having not played particularly well, was a bit of individual brilliance plus um, mm. some really lackluster Scottish defending. Like Pretty much, yeah. Kind of what has become the pattern with Scotland is Scotland give themselves too much to do in too short a time in too short a space of time, and I think the issue with Scotland is so, sometimes when Scot Scotland have historically kind of been there thereabouts, but have always kind of been kind of slipped off at the end or haven't could feel yeah. unlucky with a lot of losses. But I think what keeps happening is if you have that mindset and then you put yourself into positions where clearly winnable games, you've left yourself a lot to do. You don't give yourself the best chance. Cause I mean, one of my favorite sayings is that you make your own luck in the sense that like, luck is like, you know, preparation plus time in the sense that mm. you are lucky. If you are in a position to be lucky, it kind of removes the kind of the uh, manifest destiny of it all. And I think Scotland consistently put themselves into positions where luck is not going to fall on their side. No. And the fact that they needed five points against a French team that is, from what I can tell, fairly awful at the minute. I don't understand yeah. how it's awful. Maybe by the end of the Six Nations, they'll be back. But Yeah, well, I mean, what, uh, from a French point of view is that because they um, they have a new like uh, coaching ticket, almost an all-new coaching ticket with the exception of... Uh, uh, Gaultier and uh, Sean Edwards because they have a new mm. line out coach, they have a new attack coach. So, you know, they and they also lost the SNC, SNC coach from, uh, from after the World Cup. So, there's sort of like a new system. Uh, they're still trying out a new system at the moment. And obviously, they're, they're still hurting from the uh, from, from the World Cup. Um, yeah, and uh, at the same time, I think the players are pretty tight because, you know, they, those guys are uh, they will be playing like top 14 before, before the Six Nation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's, it's going to take a while um, for the new system to 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 set it, to fully set in. And at the same time, you know, like uh, it's like you could see that you know the line now is not uh, the it's not the line now is not working. Um, they uh, I've also I feel that the defense uh, system by Sean has been found out uh, long uh, long ago. So it's not it's not as expect it's mm. not as uh, effective as before. Yeah, so I think there's a few, there's still a great deal of like yeah. fragility and you know like just. Uh, trying to implement a new system. I think that's, maybe that's that, that does explain a fair bit actually, because it's kind of, they do seem a team in transition yeah. that I think a lot of us going into the tournament didn't really expect from them because they were like, obviously no DuPont, no Entomac. Now, no uh, Alderit, who uh, no uh, no Jalange. game. Hey, no Jalange. So there's just a lot of players that kind of, who would have been nailed all starters are gone. But I kind of, we still thought that France had the biggest like pool yeah. of players to choose from of like we don't lose anything by this person playing against the head of this person and we that just hasn't come to fruition this time and then if you're scotland i think you're just so i have a scottish friend um well i mean he says he's scottish he, he he's scottish with an english accent his yeah. parents are scottish i'm not so sure about him uh how are you doing alistair i think you listen but uh, he just said to me when we were watching this game, he was like, I have just, I know how this game is going to end. It always ends the same way. And I thought that was really damning because like he just, he knew as soon as it kind of went to 65, he's like, we're going to find a way to lose this. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, we just, we always do. Like, he's like, I don't want to get my hope up because like, I, I've, I've watched this story before Scotland yeah. will lose. And then Scotland did lose in the most bizarre fashion. And if this is where the game really came to its head. When Scotland clearly have the ball over the line, but a try isn't given. And uh, Nia, what do you make of that? What did you make of that whole debacle of the TMO decision right at the end of the game? Look, uh, um, I mean, like, I think it's been uh, talked over so many times before. So, uh, and... Um, and you know, it's hard to get something original out of this. Um, obviously, there was some sort of uh, miscommunication between the uh, referee and the TMO. And some people say there, there could have been an extra step where, you know, like the TMO mm. could have said, uh, I, uh, I do believe it's a, uh, where the referee could make a decision on the field based on the, the evidence has been given, mm. him, given, given to him so far. Um, but yeah, there was just a lot, a lot of back and forth. And even like it was not, 
that clear anyway. Like the, obviously, you could see maybe there was a hint of like uh, Tuilagi's hands under the ball. But you, you and especially it's hard to see within that frame as well. Like you, there's no other. It's not like there's a camera yeah. underneath the, the the grass show that the ball has been touched. That yeah, okay. So this is where um, so you actually share a very similar opinion to Brian O'Driscoll, which is really funny. But uh, I was wondering, was this going to be your French bias bleeding through? But you're very measured in your response. It seemed to me that the game came down to semantics. And not winning a match due to semantics is a terrible look for any sport. And I think this is the issue that I think we've kind of seen it in a few areas in rugby. And rugby is a sport that kind of doesn't lend itself to being particularly the worst marketer of the worst marketer of Mm. the game of rugby is rugby (laughs) itself. Like it's just... And I think some things that are just kind of like are, are kind of archaic, like, do you know, this whole logic of it's not rules, it's laws. Look at us go yeah. or rugby. I would th- I I cannot yeah. stand that. That that drives me up the fucking wall, because that for me, there's no like in terms of that, you shouldn't need a law degree to argue whether or not something's a try or not. And it seemed to be because the referee had started off with the position yeah. as he saw it. I don't know. My on-field decision is no try. Yeah, the amount of work they have to put through, the amount of linguistic jujitsu to overturn that decision <laughs> is just, it's, un, it, 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 yeah. it's uncanny because in that situation, I know we wanted more accountability for referees and stuff like that, but I also think if the referee is not in a position to make that call, the TMO yeah. should go balance of like the TMO should go I have the ball on the ground I have no foul play before it I have no foul play after it I think in other sports that would be given I think you have to give the benefit to the attacker as well I mean if it was against Ireland of course I'd have a different tune but at the same time sometimes the way the game is refereed or the way the rules are set up makes the game so difficult to referee. There's a there's a pedantism and these kind of this idea of finding loopholes. Like loopholes exist mm. in every game, and someone finds a loophole and yeah. then it's closed. So like the Dupont rule, which we brought up earlier, has already been closed in New Zealand ahead of the Super 15 season of laws mm. rather than rules. Purposefully overcomplicates yeah. it in the sense that that was, I think, common sense is isn't allowed to prevail there because I think the referee yeah. knew that was a try. But because of the system, he followed yeah. procedure, and procedure arrived yeah, at the yeah. wrong conclusion. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think uh, I guess next time, Iron, uh, if Scotland ever found him in in a, in a situation that uh, similar to that again, they would just just go just put the ball through the hands, and he just give the ball to uh, Duhan van der Molde, yeah. you know, and job done. Yeah, you 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 texted me this, and you were like, should have yeah. gone wide, and I was kind of like, oh, I didn't see that, and then I saw a wide clip from it, and I was like, holy shit, you're right, yeah. This is the second week in a row. And this is actually, yeah, to bring it back to the rugby for a second, because yeah. Finn Russell said something. And again, I'm I'm falling in love with Finn Russell more and more every week. What did he say? He was like, we have to put the game beyond the decisions yeah. of the referees. Yeah. Totally right. This is the second week in a row they've gone for a pick and go right yeah. at the end of the game <laughs> to be held up over the yeah. line. I mean, those things are always 50-50. That's the main, like. Especially when you have like a hulking winger, so yeah. uh, just uh, or right over there waiting for the ball, so, uh, or even just give it to someone like uh, because they have so many good attacking players. They have like Cal Rowe, they have uh, Patterson, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kyle Stein, mm. uh, Kyle Stein, Stein, and then Dahan Van Mover. So many good players who can, mm. can just score score a try from anywhere. Yeah, I thought Rowe was really good. Rowe's great. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's a weird thing, and I think that's where Scotland will look the most infuriated because getting held up over the line at the end of the Wales game. It happens. They had won the game anyway. But for the exact same situation to happen twice, to not identify that, and like I play in the forwards in my level of rugby, and there is an element when you get that close to the line that you're like, okay, Bax, see you later. We're taking this ball here. You're not getting anywhere near it. Yeah. But I think, I don't know, I think somebody from the 13 channel should have been screaming for that, going, I want it. Because there was... The way the French had defended, they had like they'd all been sucked in. There was no like it was I think three Scottish players to one French defender. Yeah. And if you need five points, you gotta start looking to risk it, I guess, you know? Yeah. And it's not and it's uh, it's not like they haven't done it before. Like, you know, remember it was that uh 
COVID, uh, one of the games in the COVID years, the 2021 when uh, Scotland played France in in Paris, and uh, the Dohan van der Moever scored essentially the winning try for Scotland. And they would, yeah. and they did it because simply, well, first of all, France uh, forgot, France forgot to to kick the out of touch, uh, kick it into touch. <laughs> I remember that game, yeah. And then you know, I mean, and then they just let, allow Scotland to come back into the game, and it just went mm-hmm. wild. They could have done the similar thing here, there, particularly in front of a home crowd. That would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah, it would have been, it would have been great, and it would have set up a, again, a grand slam decider. I don't think the tournament's too damaged by this, but it would have been nice to have Scotland on five wins, sorry, four wins and Ireland on four wins. But I guess you can't have what you want. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of things, you can't have what you want. We then move into... Game two, Wales versus England in Twickenham. England won this game sixteen fourteen. What were you? What do you? What were your thoughts on this game? I, I thought it was the one of the more entertaining games uh, of the weekend, and that speaks a lot uh, about the about the last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> because I did say in the last episode that uh, England and Wales at the moment feels like the the poor man version of uh, Ireland and France. Yeah, it really lived up to it, didn't it? It was it was surprising. Yeah, it was very uh, yeah, it was it was really scrappy and you know um and you know it was un- unconvincing at times, but I thought Wales uh, played really some good rugby uh, at times as well and they were like the 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 less experienced of, of the two teams. Um but they mm. really uh, uh made it, they really put in a good decent performance and and this caused some really good tries uh, as well. I think just the, the lack of experience really hurt them in the end. Mm. Yeah, I think I was really impressed with how um, with how Wales went. Uh, they were they showed up in a way that I didn't think they had in their gear. My prediction of their of their wooden spoon is still on, but looking less likely. This team is kind of forged by fire or something. It seems to be that they're in the trenches. They're zero and two, which isn't a great result, but. I also think if you were a Welsh fan and you were watching this, you really wouldn't be disappointed with what you've seen so far because there's been massive buy-in from a young team, some good players showing up. Yeah. And no, I think like I said before, like any team coached by Gatlin is going to be hard to beat anyway. And uh, like I said, they're going to be they're going to be scrappy. They're going to fight for for every inch, every meters. Um, and you know they and they and, uh, they have a, pr- a point to prove uh, as well, especially. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of like uh, positives from that uh, Welsh performance. It's just that um, they just need to learn how to close out games, particularly in those kind of uh, because in those kind of like situations, they they played they played particularly they played particularly well. I think in the sense that England still look a bit shaky, but they definitely did a good job of they did a good job of like really presenting. So I was just looking at the scores at halftime. They were leading fourteen five. And they had scored two, actually, like a penalty try that was stone cold penalty try, and then a really good half break that was converted by whoever plays number six of them. I can't remember his name. It was uh, the, probably the most complete Welsh performance I'd seen in maybe two seasons. I know that Wales went pretty well at the World Cup, but there's I just have there's something of an asterisk in my mind when you lose to that Argentina team. Um, I think that Argentina team takes up about eighty percent of my conscious thought, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then England on the other hand, I thought England are like almost back to where England are at the minute. I still don't think I think third place in the World Cup still flatters them, but they're two from two now. Yeah, so they're on to one. They're growing steadily. I still think they offer nothing in attack. Like they are mm. really, like if their set piece stays strong, they'll become a really desperately difficult team to play against. Yeah, because they are, they have some really tidy operators. Like Atoje looks almost back to a career best form at the minute. Mm, definitely, yeah. Uh, Underhill, I know it's great. Looks like that. Mm. He he looks and acts like that orc from the Hobbit. So he's pretty tenacious. Um. <laughs> 
Yeah, but also like within the backs as well. You, Freddie Stewart had a really good game. Uh, was, yeah, big time. His aerial uh, game was uh, phenomenal. Oh, like it was out of this world. He's always been great at fielding high balls, but I thought what he was really good at this week, his returning them, like he kind of running them back with interest, I thought yeah. was super impressive. But I thought he was, yeah, I thought he was excellent. I thought Ford was calm. And I think Ford suits this style of Borthwick play because he's such a game manager. Mm. He's able to keep the team ticking and he's able to kind of, and he almost reminds me as a 10 I think he's more similar to Johnny Sexton than people realize in the sense that like, he's not the biggest running threat, but he's an incredible yeah. tactician. He's good at organizing teams. Yeah. And if they can add another string to their bow of an attack game, I think England could be, could be contenders. Yeah. I know. I imagine would it be funny if they, uh, if they got a grand slam this year, I would self immolate. Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> But I have a terrible record so far of going to finals and I have tickets to Ireland versus Scotland. And uh, so I've been to, we'll talk about this some other in some other episode that we'll just call Jack unloads his sporting trauma. And, uh, but I have been to two champions cup finals supporting my favorite team Leinster and they've lost both of them. I bought tickets to a third final, couldn't go. They lost that one too. I'm starting to worry that I'm the bad luck charm. So if England end up winning the Grand Slam, I am just going to like, I'm going to pack it in. Never going to leave my apartment again. <laughs> Look, I mean, no one expected uh, England to be uh, third place in, in the World Cup. So, you know, uh, history might repeat itself. That's what I mean. Like, this England team, they always find a way. That's uh, you know, despite offering uh, nothing, you know, but they they're proving that the doubters <laughs> wrong. You know, uh, look, I'm I'm all for England now. You know, I, uh, if uh, if France fail, if uh, if France fail, I'm just gonna go for England. You know, just for for just for the laps. You know, it's just yeah, you just want to see my blood pressure rise <laughs> in real time. <laughs> it's funny to see what an aneurysm can look like up close. Um... <laughs> go England. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought that was a pretty decent game. It does feel like it's kind of it was co- it was competitive without being brilliant. I think was the the cliff notes of it. And then we move on to the Sunday game, and the Sunday game of Ireland at home in the Aviva of thirty six points to Italy zero. What did you make of that game? So the the way I day I started my day before the game was that I decided to check out a flea market uh, to check out some vintage stuff, just to mm-hmm. essentially calm my nerves, you know. Just uh, and because I uh, the, I have a few I had a I have a few friends who were doing stuff at the market, so I went to check them out. So I went for a nice walk, you know, and then uh, on my way saw something nice, some some cool things, caught up with my friends. Then on my way back, I bought some. Uh, I bought myself a chicken fillet roll. So, um, yeah, it's just to get a, a bit of a treat, you know, to myself. And uh, I settled it's a down. Little treat, yeah. You know, and then I turned on uh, the laptop, uh, Virgin Media, to to, uh, to watch the game. And you know, look, it's a it's a Sunday. Um, you know, there was uh, there was a game on. I watched it, and uh, you know, I finished the game. <laughs> Uh, it was uh, yeah it was uh, it was nothing spectacular uh, obviously the highlights was the uh, that little boy who sang Ireland's call yeah what's his name Stevie or something uh, yeah something yeah. like that I, I put out a tweet where I said uh, I joked that uh, oh uh, oh yeah Craig Casey got a good singing voice always always a winner <laughs> always a winner yeah yeah I thought yeah that was that was probably the highlight of the game I mean, the highlight of the game is the singing performance before it I pers- so my personal thought is we should stop giving the Sunday games to Italy. I think they do that from a um, yeah. I think they do that from a, a TV viewing position. Mm. I think they try to put the the the, pre- the the premium games on a Saturday or whatever. I don't know. I think the three p.m. slot on a Sunday is just a very hard time to get the energy up for. Yeah, it's uh, 
Yeah. It's a little bit underwhelming no matter who's playing. And I think giving Italy that doesn't help anyone. No, I think the ideal broadcasting schedule should be like you have a Friday game at 8 p.m. in the evening. And then you have like two great games on Saturday. And that's that's basically the weekend. And nothing else on Sunday. And Sunday, you just like you may have you may have like some highlights or some analysis stuff, whatever. But uh, the, the, all the games should be on like Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I think the issue for a lot of people and why that doesn't happen is because of uh, getting to the stadium on the Friday night can be a real nuisance. So in Ireland, so the Aviva is pretty handy because you can walk to it from town. So mm. it, it can comfortably host it. But trying to get to the Stade de France in rush hour yeah. is a genuine nightmare. It is, it's an awkward stadium to get to because you're in Saint Denis, and then I think Twickenham is something similar because it's it's out in West London. Yeah, and yeah. If you're if you're fighting rush hour traffic, it's going to be quite difficult to get there. So I think that's why the Sunday game has prevailed ahead of the Friday night game because I quite like the Friday night game. It's it's a it gets you excited for the week ahead. So, uh, Nia, what did you make of the actual rugby then? On After you got your little treat and you set yourself up for Italy versus... Uh, you set yourself up for Italy, Ireland. You'd listen to a little Stevie sing. And then the time came to actually watch the game. What did you think? Uh, look, I mean, it was pretty uh, predictable in a way. Um, mm. Obviously... Um, it was a second string, almost a second string Ireland team. And, you know, they put in a pretty decent performance. Some mm. uh, really, you know, uh, Calvin Nash got a really good try. Jack Crowley got his first try. Yeah. Um, John McCarthy also had a good game as well. So I think, you know, it was like Ireland's are, uh, uh, on good, are in good form at the moment. So you can't really, com- uh, can't really complain. Yeah, yeah. I think the only uh, criticism is just the, the lack of. Uh, uh, attack from uh, from Italy. Um, yeah, like uh, Garbisi had a pretty bad, uh, pretty uh, terrible game, mostly because he couldn't get his. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, he's basically traumatized by Joe McCarthy at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah, I was really confused by Italy in that game. Like they have always, like, even when they've been going badly, they've managed yeah. to steal a score. You know, and like I thought they were. Pretty good last week against the 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 difference in a week between uh, playing against England and playing against Ireland mm. is pretty massive, and I think a big reason for that is yeah. because of the amount of injuries. Like Italy lost a lot of their heavy hitters, like they a lot of their forwards who made big. They yeah. lost Canone before the game. They had lost uh, Negri. They have a few other players who I can't remember who are out and. They just had no yeah. platform then. And it was a weird one because, yeah, I don't think Garbisi didn't have a particularly great game, but I don't think you could accuse. I, I don't even know if we saw them attack, to be honest. I can't remember. can't remember anyone having to defend. Yeah, I mean, at any uh, stage. yeah, but they were pretty toothless in a way. Um, also, I think also because like Ireland got most of the ball, most of the time, got most of the ball anyway. So, uh, it was already hard on Italy, and you know, what I mean, like Ireland is uh, at the moment is an exceptional team. It's one in once in a generation, sort of. You know, uh, they're, they're basically the the new All Blacks at this point. The the, the All Greens, like uh, All Greens, the All Greens. But at the yeah. same time, I, I do I do think uh, uh, Italy yeah, has I... improved tremendously in defense. Yeah, they had a great defensive game. Uh, even though they lost 36 like, yeah, nil, yeah, because really there was well no defense. offside penalty, which they will always give, like uh, in previous games, particularly around like the five meter line, they they were pretty solid. Um, there was a lot of aggression, and they really made uh, Ireland work hard for those tries as well. Like it was not easy tries, and at the same time, mm-hmm. Ireland got denied uh, got denied two tries at uh, different points. Yeah, I thought Brex and Melancello, uh I might have butchered his name. I thought they are looking incredibly incredibly stable and i think they've lacked a center partnership for a while that looks very competent they were defensively they were like very tight i think with ireland at the minute they have this this build of dynamic forward that we've never had that many of them like there are players on the pitch who are really strong 
and we've like Ireland has traditionally had like forwards who were strong. Like we we've had them. They might not have been the biggest, but they've been strong or they've had huge work rates or whatever. Now it seems like every forward we're picking is big, strong, yeah, dynamic and fast. There's which is is crazy. Like, what are they feeding them in South Dublin? I don't understand it. Uh <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, you know, salmon, rice, broccoli, you know, the finest uh, sort from the, the North Sea. <laughs> <laughs> they're really because the, what they're showing up with is incredible. So like Joe McCarthy again, he 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 looks like he's playing underage level. Do you remember? I don't know if you ever had this as a kid, but there'd be every now and again you'd come up against a team that had a ringer from the year above who'd come down and they would absolutely wallop you. They'd might they like they just You'd know that kid. You'd look at him and you're like, "You're there's no way you're 12, buddy. You're 14. And he would just kick the living shit out of you. He seems to be doing something similar. Like his energy across the pitch is incredible. Yeah. And like, he's not shying out of any work. So how is he this fit? And then Ryan Baird, I think. I love seeing Ryan Baird play. I love Jack Conan and Doris at seven. I think they didn't have their most spectacular game, but I just think that the, the amount of work they can get through as that, like, back three and then the five. James Ryan came back in and had a pretty good game. Yeah, yeah. also, um, Hugo Keenan got another good game in his bag as well. The entire nation of Ireland holds its breath to see how long Keenan might be out for. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like to be fair, at the moment, I'm I'm seeing him everywhere. At the moment, like you, you see, uh, like you see him on the bus, you see him mm-hmm. on the TV. You know, what I mean, he's uh, at, at, he's like he's basically the Irish Dupont at this point. You see him everywhere. Yeah, Hugo Keenan is, for my money, the best fifteen in the world. He's just been so good since he's come on. He's played, I think, it's thirty-eight of forty-five games that Farrell has had has um has had as head coach. Yeah. He started, which is just a crazy stat. Um, I really hope it's nothing serious because Wales will look to target the whoever plays 15 in that game. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be Kieran Frawley. Ooh. And Frawley plays 15 for Leinster. Yeah. So it won't be the worst thing in the world. Mm. Like, we know him. We know he can do it. Yeah. But yeah, in the Irish game... Yeah, big up Jack Crowley, I think, again. Mm. Parts of his game are going to come together later. Yeah. The kicking wasn't ideal, but I think I read a great tweet. I read a great quote from Ronan O'Gara that um, the first, what was it? The first 10 test matches of your career or survival, uh, the kicking comes later. He'll, he'll, he'll nail down the kicking from cap 20 onwards. He just needs to play the game. Mm. And that's really good advice, I think, because Crowley looks very good ball in hand. Yeah. He's organizing well. We said it the week before, the mistakes he's making are good, positive mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And I'd much I'd much rather a 10 that's like, it's a 10 who's discovering his powers rather than a 10 who's so frightened of making a mistake that they're doing nothing, you know? Sounds like a... You sound like you're describing the, the plot of the next uh, Superman film. So which is coming out next summer. Like, oh, it's a, like the way they describe it. Oh, it's about a young Clark Kent <laughs> uh, discovering his powers and consolidating his uh, his Kryptonian uh, human identity. <laughs> oh, jeez. The other stand-up performance from a game that was pretty unremarkable is uh, James Lowe, I think. Oh, yeah. He just... I'd love James Lowe. Oh, he's great. He's a beautiful man. I have no I have no good analysis for James Lowe other than I love him. Um he shouldn't have been able to score that try that he got. That was class. Yeah. His left boot is class. Yeah. He's class. He's so good. Every time James Lowe gets the ball, I'm like, great, something fun's about to happen. Yeah, he's yeah, he's 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 uh he's basically the image of Irish rugby that's sort of uh, positivity, uh, which See that's the thing. Ireland has always been a good team, like particularly from uh, twenty thirteen onwards. You know, like, from Joe Schmidt to uh, up until the Andy Farrell uh, era. But you know, I think the difference between Andy Farrell and Joe Schmidt is that there's a there's a greater sense of positivity under Andy Farrell, and Andy Farrell uh, yeah, is that. allowing these players to express themselves. That's why they look so fluid in attack because they're allowed to play. They're, you, the, the, the basically Andy is letting the boys play. 
Whereas like with yeah. uh, with Joe Schmidt, it was very uh, it was very rigid and at times uh, you know negative. Like you know, I mean, like because uh, it's a similar. I think it's all, it's also similar to the way Italy's are playing under Casada compared to like under Crowley because uh, mm-hmm. uh, Crowley and Joe Schmidt they come from the same stock anyway. Very sort of stoic, uh, stoic, uh, dry Kiwi rugby uh, background. And at times it can feel very intimidating playing under playing for playing under them. Whereas like you know, yeah. with like Andy Farrow and Casada, they're both really good management uh, manager of men. You know, very good. They, they form yeah. really good relationship with their players, and that's and you can see the show the way uh, Ireland and Italy are playing. Even though obviously the the the, the levels are the, there's there's still a big gap between them, but you know they could they could sense there's some sort of parallels in terms of the uh, coach player dynamics. Yeah, and there was always gonna <clears throat> there was always gonna be teething issues for this Italian team. Like new coaching, new coach setup was always gonna have a dud match. Yeah, you know it's 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 impossible to not have a dud match. Yeah, and maybe they overperformed against England, and then they underperformed against Ireland, and we'll see what they're like at the next game. Um, it's an interesting analogy because I do think there is, uh, in coaching. Man management can be so important. Yeah. I think you can be a system manager, but if you're not going to empower your players to do the system, yeah. you're going to struggle. Yeah. And I think you're going to, I think that's when you see teams really break down, is when they kind of feel overcoached and not given enough free reign. Mm, yeah. So we'll have to see what, what, what the future holds for Italy. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, even like uh, speaking of like Casado as well, because, uh, um, even when he was uh, coaching clubs, um, like, so uh, his most successful reign was uh, with when he was with uh, Stade Francais. So he won a top fourteen title with them in twenty fourteen, um, mm-hmm. and then he left uh, to to coach the Jaguars. But the thing is, he was so popular at Stade Francais, they invited him back like just a couple of seasons ago, uh, just to show uh, okay, just to show how 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 popular he is with the uh, with the players with the club. So I imagine that that could be replicated uh, at an international level. It'll be great to see because that that Italy team isn't for the first time in a while. It's not short of talent. Yeah, and with the twenties coming through, they're going to have a new conveyor belt of players coming through. I don't know who fourteen for the under twenties is for Italy, but Scalabrin. Jesus Christ, he's so good. Oh man, yeah, I love. We will be seeing that was such a great game yeah. next year. Yeah, that was a that was a much more fun game. Um. But before we get carried away with our 20s, why don't we move on to next week's games? And the schedule, as I have it in front of me, is as follows. The first match of the week will be Ireland versus Wales in the Aviva Stadium. Mm. What's your prediction? Um, I imagine they'll... Uh, uh, they'll uh... Probably from a Welsh point of view, they would probably try to step up another level. Um, to put in, mm. they would try. To, they would definitely it would be more. It would be more of a uh, refined performance for, from the Welsh. They would still be. They were still very scrappy. You know, they would be very. Uh, there was still a lot of like steel within them. Um, and, and I imagine it would be much tighter than most what most people would predict. Yeah, I I have a similar I have a similar feeling. I think. I think Ireland will probably win it in a kind of uh, by a 15 to 20 point margin but i think it will only be a 15 or 20 point margin in the last 20 minutes yeah i think wales wales don't have a great record coming to dublin and ireland have a very strong team mm. but there is there's that gatlin steel that just makes them incredibly annoying to play against yeah you know well, it's like uh, especially how small a lot of the players are as well like uh yeah like even like uh like i said you know the, the entire back line looks like the Eight years old, you know. I I don't think the Irish team is at a risk of being complacent. I think Irish fans might be, and I think I might be like prime amongst them to just kind of go, ah, it's only Wales. But uh, I do think Ireland will, much like an elephant that refuses to stand still. I think Ireland will have too much in their in in, in reserve, and they'll like they won't slow down. I think is the big thing because. I can imagine them going for a 6-2 split this game as well. Mm. I think that might be an idea. Um, 
will it be inter- actually maybe they won't because Gary Ringrose is back so probably oh, be 5-3 no, he's, he's a fun player but he is a good player and then the second half they'll be able to throw on an entirely new set of I just think the benches becomes the difference with Ireland and the other teams in the Six Nations so far yeah I think a lot of players will get up for us because it's us it will get up for Ireland because it's the biggest game of the tournament this year is playing Ireland but I do think that Ireland will just have too much mm. So then we move on to game number two, the Calcutta Cup in Murrayfield. Ooh. Scotland take on England. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't know. I just hope uh, Scotland play a more expansive games in the last twenty minutes uh, because mm. that's the I think that's the I think that's the the biggest strength that they have over England uh, at the moment. Um, yeah, like they just need to work on like. Just uh, work on correcting those silly mistakes from the last two games, and they'll be uh, then you know they'll be in in, in the running. Uh, but I imagine it will be very tight as well, a very close game as well. Um, like like I said, uh, England will always find always will always find a way to win. But I guess like based on mm. previous uh, based on uh, previous records so far, um, Scotland should be winning this game comfortably mm. if they don't fuck up if, if they don't implode in in the second half. Yeah. I think it's a se- it's a season defining game for Scotland. They should have beaten France. Yeah, like they should have done enough that it didn't matter what happened at the end of the game. They didn't do that, and now we're left with what Scotland is actually gonna is actually gonna show up. And I think that England at the moment are ticking along unspectacularly, but they're going forward. They're like. They're like some old Ford from the nineties that refuses to die. Like they're they're not going particularly quickly, but they're still moving, you know? <laughs> they're a hazard to your health, but they'll get you where you need to go, I guess. Um <laughs> and I think it takes a lot. I think it's gonna take a lot for I think if Scotland don't show up, it's it's going to be detrimental to that group of players. Like they're at a like an inflection point, yeah, because Scotland are either in a new era of playing rugby or they're not, and I think that's the issue is that if they're not if they if they stay if they lose that game and they lose it in a similar manner than they lost to France, their season has been a disappointment, yeah, and after a disappointing World Cup campaign mm. after having another there's only so many times you can have yeah questions of oh what if you know before that team fully disintegrates i hope for i hope for a scottish win and i'm gonna call it a close game i'm gonna call it five points to scotland i think because murrayfield and i also think there is only one game a season that you can guarantee the scottish will show up for yeah and that's england (laughs) then and then the final game on sunday we have france in the Stade Pierre Mouroy. Uh yeah, in um, Lyon, I think. Yeah, against Italy. Oh yeah. So it's in Lyon. So probably a bigger chance of a lot more Italians going to that game. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, Italy will be pretty disheartened after their performance in Dublin. France will. I don't know what you think if you're France. You keep losing players, uh, like. <laughs> A friend of mine texted me that Olivon has reclaimed the captaincy the hard way by just having everyone ahead of him leave the team or get injured. <laughs> um, That's, uh, yeah, there's some there's some sort of conspiracy theory going on, right? <laughs> <laughs> Olivon is having Olivon has just been sending Dupont pictures of like Olympic gold medals for like ten months straight or something. Look, I think yeah. Even oh, like, yeah. I'm a big fan of Olivon anyway. Like you know, he should have been the uh, the French uh, the French captain through and through. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to do with Galtier. Just like uh, um, like uh, like just picking different captains at this point. Like he he has what it takes to be mm-hmm. a cap uh, to be to to yeah. to the captain for a whole season anyway. Um, mm. I guess well, were... he was captain before he was captain before Dupont before he got injured, and that's when Dupont took over. Yeah, and but Dupont took over, also because I think, I think um, also because of injury. Yeah, because also like I think at one point they all went on a summer tour of Australia, and Gauti did mm. not have access to the to his like uh, top play, first uh, first choice <laughs> players yeah. uh, because of the top fourteen season anyway. Mm. So that's why they had to make uh, changes, which I uh, which I can understand. But at the same time, I, I think he should have been. 
the, the captain at the World Cup. And yeah, I don't think you take it from Dupont if he if he's just won you the if he won you a Grand Slam uh, the season beforehand. It's hard to take it from whoever's in. It's hard to take it from whoever's in place. And I imagine there was an idea of Olivon was captain. Injury allows for Dupont to get captaincy, and you don't want to go backwards. You want to go metaphorically forwards. So you give it to Alderit. Yeah. But Alderit's now injured. Olivon's in. Will he reign in? Will he reign supreme? I don't know. I think. I can't figure out what this French team and what this Italian team are about. I, mm. I like at the moment, both. I actually think this could be a really fun game. It could be, both yeah. team, both teams have the potential to really, really play some weird rugby. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like previous record has shown uh, have shown that uh, the games have been quite entertaining so far. Like, there's a lot. Uh, there's been a lot of tries on both sides. Um, mm. Like you know, even like you know, Italy came close to beating them. Like, and that was. They came close to beat like a, a first choice, a first fifteen in in Rome mm. last year. Um, yeah, so it'll be uh, yeah, like um, it'll be very interesting to see uh, where they are at the, at this point in the progression. Um, yeah, I imagine yeah. It, yeah, it'll be a very entertaining game, but hopefully uh, an exciting game at best because it can be quite dour. You can you never know with these two teams as well. Like especially if they're. If, yeah. if the both teams run on run high on emotions and whatnot, then you know, and both teams could yeah. implode at different at different points as well. It is it is it is an interesting yeah it's 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 a very interesting take of like who will implode harder for longer and first yeah um, uh, you remember when uh, Italy met France in the World Cup and Ultra basically committed uh, hate crimes against the Italians. Yeah. yeah, he did the fucking. He did a... uh, the fucking... Yeah, he gave it. He gave it the old hand gesture of like gabagool. Like... <laughs> uh, I would love for do for Oli one to replicate that as a tribute. As a tribute to Aldrich. Yeah, yeah, it'll be yeah. Especially after the World Cup, do we think like Italy can't possibly be worse than they were at the World Cup, and France look all over the place. So I do predict a French win. I think it's going to be close. Uh, hopefully it's high scoring. I'd love it to be like 25-30 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like real running rugby, mm. defense optional kind of play. A Sunday a Sunday match deserves that kind of game, you know? Yeah, you should. Yeah, a little pick-me-up. You know, they they should basically, you know, like uh, the uh, this would be highly charged on uh, uh, Café Noir and Espresso, you know, like. Mm. Yeah, just get them whacked up on caffeine. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm whacked up on caffeine and tell them whoever wins is allowed to, uh, I don't know, make love to their mistresses. Just... Yeah, yeah, you're not allowed to make love to your mistresses unless you score four tries each. Let's <laughs> um... <laughs> all have a cigarette at half times as well. Let's, let's go, you know, let's let's go all our stereotypes. And we wonder, and we wonder why we have no listeners in France or Italy. <laughs> Okay, why don't we end it there? Nia, thanks so much. Yep, continue to follow us. We're going to be doing things and saying things. If you found this podcast, you've spoken to Nia and I in the last week. We appreciate you listening to us. Um, Yep, much love. See you soon. And don't forget, never stop trying. <laughs>